Um, so this last Wednesday, if you weren't here, you missed it. So I'll give you a quick recap. Uh, we had some good stuff going on uh, where I shared a little word in the midst of worship. And I said, I feel like we're supposed to be roarers. Roarers, you know what that means? Roar, roaring, roarers, and soarers, soarers. And so as I said that, Pastor Nick said, that would be a great sermon title. I was like, that should be a sermon title for this Sunday. Um, so that's kind of where we're headed this morning is prepared for battle. I don't have slides for you this morning. Um, so if you want to take notes, you get to pay extra close attention uh, to take notes. Um, but that's kind of where we're headed this morning. Prepared for battle, roarers and soarers. Um, this idea prepared, that's been our theme or our vision for this year, right? Uh, from First Peter, right? We're talking about uh, our, getting our hearts and minds prepared for action, Right? So this idea of preparing for things. Um, I loved, I heard uh, Aubrey, she, she heard the Lord say on Wednesday night, um, as I said, actually, I said it, but she said the Lord just kind of reemphasized those things, that we are prepared. That this is a year and a season that we are getting prepared, but also the word of the Lord is we are prepared. And I thought about that. Um, let's see. Is salvation a gift or is it to be worked out? Yes, right? Salvation is a gift of God, right? God, it's not of our good works. It's a free gift. But it says work out your salvation, right? Um, are you saved? Are you being saved? Or one day will you be saved? Yes. yes, right? This idea. So the same thing with prepared. I am in a season of getting prepared. At the same time, I am prepared, right? Before you got married, were you fully prepared to be married? Before you had kids, were you prepared, fully prepared to have kids? At some point, whatever preparation level you have, you're just prepared. Like, you, you figure it out as you go. You still have to get prepared, but there's something about it where you're in over your head no matter what. And I feel like that's kind of like the kingdom of God. When God says, Ryan, you're prepared. When he said, Ryan, you're to be the lead pastor of Neighborhood Church, I'm like, I'm not prepared. But God said I was prepared, right? So it's one of those things that when God calls you to something, he's saying you're prepared. And yes, there's still a lot of preparing that needs to happen. And so I just felt like this morning, you are prepared for battle. It's getting prepared. We need to get prepared. There's some more battles ahead of us, but you need to hear the word of the Lord. You already have what it takes. You are already prepared. You're already ready for what's in front of you. So you don't have to freak out. You don't have to be worried. God has prepared you. And I think there's things where, like I just shared, sometimes I freak out. I think, I'm not ready, God. I'm not qualified. I don't have what it takes. I'm not, I don't have everything lined up yet. And God's like, yeah, but you're prepared. Okay, if you say I am, right? And just learning to agree with God, even when I don't think it, I just have to agree with God. There's so many times I read God's word, and I'm like, mm, I'm not sure I fully in my brain understand that, but I'm just going to agree with you, God. It's in your word. So I have to agree with you. And it's the same thing. God's telling some of you this morning, you are prepared, it might be hard to receive that. You might not think that's the truth, but God's word is the truth. You are prepared. You are prepared for battle. And we're going to look at some of these things. And, and before I get into that, this idea of roaring, I don't think I ever did an adequate um, unveiling. As you walk into our sanctuary, as you turn the cor corner from the foyer, what's the first thing you see on that wall when you come from there? There's a big lion, and I don't think I ever really explained that. It just kind of showed up one day. Um, but if you didn't know, if you didn't go over there and look, I don't think it even has his name. His name's on the back of the painting. But that was painted by Pastor Jake West. Um, and that was like a drip art thing that you've never, that was his very first time to ever do that type of artwork. Does not show that, but that was his very first time to do that. And I thought that took him like weeks and months to do. And how long did you say that took you to do? 
an hour. 30 minutes to do that. You give me 30 minutes and some paint, I'll have nothing like that on the, on the canvas, right? So I just love that we have people that are gifted and talented in different things, but I had asked him, I had commissioned him to make a painting of a lion because I wanted one in our sanctuary. And there's something about that. If you read that, there's, it's a quote um, from Revelation. And it's talking about lion. We, we sang that this morning, that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, that we don't have to fear. We don't need to be afraid. There is a God in heaven who is in control of all things. He has a plan from the beginning to the end. And I love we sing that. It says that he was the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Before he even created the galaxies, he knew he was going to be a lamb of, that was going to be slaughtered. But he also knew that he was going to be a lion. Before he even created lambs and lions, he knew I'm the lamb. I am the lion, right? And so I, I love this about God. And we're going to look at some of these things, but I just wanted to highlight that's part of our DNA. I feel like we're still like this morning and on Wednesday night, we're starting to tap into what God is saying this morning, this, this message. We're going to tap into some roaring and what that looks like and why, what does this all mean? I don't feel like this Sunday we're going to unpack it all, but we're at least going to start the process. It's been in here for months and I think we need to understand why it's there, why that's a part of our culture. Um, another thing is you walked in this morning, first time this is not its permanent home and it's not going to have blue tape and it's not going to be wrinkly, but there's a flag. It'll be somewhere in the church at some point, maybe not permanent. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But does anybody know what this flag, have you ever seen this flag before? Raise your hand if you've ever seen that flag before. That's about half of us, an appeal to heaven. So for the rest of you, really quick, I will not give the whole background this morning, but that was a flag that General George Washington commissioned to be passed around to the colonies in the Revolutionary War. He recognized, it wasn't hard to recognize, that what America had in farmers and blacksmiths trying to fight a war against the largest army on, in the planet, right, the British army coming over, there was no way the Americans could actually win unless they appealed to heaven. Unless God intervened, unless this was a divine moment, that was our forefathers. They're saying, no, God has called us to this. God brought us to this land. God said, God promised, God promised. We commissioned, we did this. So we have to fight for what God has promised. But we know that we don't have what it takes on our own, right? So we're as prepared as we can be, but unless God shows up, we're done for. So they, he commissioned this flag, throw it around, everyone raise this flag that we are appealing to heaven to fight for us. And I love that. We sing the song, it's a, a verse we quote a lot, the battle belongs to the Lord, right? Amen, the battle belongs to the Lord. But at some point, we have to fight a battle. I agree. When George Washington said, let's pray, let's appeal to heaven, unless God shows up, right, nothing good was gonna happen. At the same time, they had to bear arms. They had to actually do something and go fight for their freedom. And I feel like that's the same thing in the kingdom of God. The battle belongs to the Lord, but that doesn't mean we sit back and do nothing. I, I mean, really quick, think about the Israelites, right? Before they, when they went to Jericho, they had to declare this battle belongs to the Lord. They had to remind themselves in silence. Let's not complain. Let's not reason with our mind. Let's not tell each other why we can't win this battle, but let's just be silent. And then there came a time to roar. And they roared, and right, and God tore down the walls. Then they had to go in and actually kill. They actually had to use swords and actually go kill. It was both. The battle belongs to the Lord, but they actually had to do something, right? Thinking about David. There was Goliath roaring away. 
mocking the God of Israel. Day after day, multiple times a day, mocking and roaring at the people of God. And finally, David shows up on the scene. He's like, who is that dude roaring and making fun of our God? And so he roars back. You come against me with a sword and a shield? I come against you in the name of the Lord. And today I'm going to cut off your head. Right? This cocky little kid roared back to the enemy. At some point, we are called to roar. Can't think about roaring in Old Testament, New Testament, the Bible, lions, right? Daniel in the lion's den. I read that story. I've heard that since I was a kid, right? There's cute little paintings in the nurseries of Daniel and the lions, like petting them, being nice to them. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. The Bible doesn't specifically say how things went down in that lion's den. But as I read it, as I get older, and as I start going through my own battles, I start to interpret it a little different for myself. I'm not saying this is how it have to happen, but for me, I think Daniel had to do a little bit of roaring and soaring in that lion's den. I think the lions may have roared, and he roared right back at them. Right? I think he had to soar. We'll get into what all this means. Soar meaning, I'm not going to fight against you with my fists and try to punch a lion. No, I'm going to take my battle up into the heavenlies. I'm going to soar. I'm going to go where God is, and I'm just going to let him be the wind beneath me. I'm going to let the battle belong to the Lord, right? My battle is not against flesh and blood, right? He understood there's a spiritual battle, and so we're going to get into this. This is all my intro. Good golly. All right. So that appeal to heaven. I'm going to come back to that one. I was going to do slides. I didn't do slides, but I think most of you in this room, if you don't, you'll Google it. You'll find it. It's very easy to find out. Can anyone picture in your mind... General George Washington kneeling in prayer at Valley Forge. It's a very famous painting. I was going to throw it up there. If you can't, man, go Google it. Very famous painting. Um, but General George Washington was praying, and it's actually, that painting was based off a true story, an actual historical record that we have. I'm going to read to you where we get this account. So a little story time this morning. Here we go. The following account is from Isaac Potts, an eyewitness who was a resident of Valley Forge in 1777. He shared this story with Reverend Nathaniel Randolph Snowden, who recorded it in his journal, which is where we get it. It says this. I, I paraphrase. I, I skipped a few things, but here, this is what it says. I was riding in Montgomery County near to the Valley Forge, where the army lay during the War of the Revolution. I never believed that America could proceed against Great Britain, whose fleets and armies covered the land and ocean. But something very extraordinary converted me to the good fight. It was a most distressing time of, of war. And all were giving, a uh, time of year during the war. And all were for giving up the ship, but that great and good man. In that woods, pointing to a close in view, I heard a plaintive sound as of a man at prayer. I tied my horse to a sapling and went quietly into the woods. And to my astonishment, I saw the great George Washington on his knees alone with his sword on one side and his cocked hat on the other. He was at prayer to the God of the armies, beseeching to interpose with his divine aid. Such a prayer I had never heard from the lips of men. I left him alone praying. I went home and told my wife. I saw a sight and heard today what I never saw or heard before. And I just related to her what I had seen and heard and observed. We never thought a man could be a soldier and a Christian. I'll stop right there. There's this man, Isaac Potts, 
who's giving this account and he's saying, from the very beginning, I never thought America could win. And I was never going to fight in the war. And I never thought, how could you be a Christian and actually take a sword and go kill someone? He just was wrestling with all these things. He's like, I was not converted until one day I heard a man who was obviously a Christian, but it was also a general in the army. And he somehow heard this prayer and said, that is what I want to be. The man was converted because he saw a general in the army praying, pleading an appeal to heaven, knowing that he was going to give his life for something. This Isaac said, I was converted from that day forward. I joined the fight. That's what I'm praying and believing you and I as a church become. We become Christians who know how to fight. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. I'm not saying that we can't be involved in politics. I'm not saying, but I'm saying, let's get our marching orders from the Lord. There's some fights and some battles that need to be fought. And we are not to be on the sidelines. We're not to be using reason and logic. We are to be trusting in the Lord, following his lead. I'm saying this both for personal battles that all of us have, it's time to fight some battles. Not sit back, but actually engage. But I'm also saying this, not just on a personal level, I'm saying more on a global level. An epic end world, end of world battles, right? There is gonna be an Armageddon, and this is, not a, this is not an end of days message. But I just want us to know that God is preparing us for an epic battle. And I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't wanna be an Isaac Potts that never gets converted. I want to see faith arise. I want to see fighters who know how to roar that have some rumblings inside of them. Hmm. I'm going to talk about two different things, this roaring and soaring. And, and really quick, I'm kind of getting a lot of precursors before we get there. But I think most of us in this room were somewhat familiar with Ephesians chapter 6, right? Put on the whole armor of God, right? The helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, belt of truth, right? The gospel of peace on your shoes, all these things, that, and the sword of the spirit, right? That we are to put them on daily. We are to go and do battle. And having done all, stand against all the attacks of the enemy. But at some point, every soldier has to be able to take off his armor and get some rest. We're called to learn how to put on the armor of God, but I feel like some of us sometimes, it's all just put on the armor of God, put on the armor of God, and some of us need to learn how to take it off and get some rest. And that's the idea of soaring. We'll get into that. Ah, let me find it, because I, I want to say it the way I wrote it down. Oh, no, where'd it go? Oh, maybe I moved it. I always jump around in my notes anyways. You have no idea, but... When I preach, I never follow my notes, in case you didn't know, because I say it often anyways. Um, all right, should, should church be a place where we learn how to put on the armor of God or take down our guard? Yes. yes. I would love to create a, fa a church family where we're not just soldiers fighting an enemy, but family being open and honest and vulnerable, vulnerable with each other. I think there are some of us who are tired and exhausted soldiers who don't need another weapon and another message on how to fight the good fight of faith. They just need some rest. And I'm going to address both today.
Because actually, if I find it day by day, sometimes week by week, I'm both. Sometimes within the same day, I'm both. So we're going to look at this idea of roaring and soaring. Roars are these battle cries, these victory shouts, these declarations of defiance. The soars are learning how to slow down, to rest, to wait upon the Lord, to receive from God. Hmm. So roaring. Hmm. Interesting. All right, I have several things. I'm going to start off with this one. In Job chapter 4, you can turn there. I don't have slides for you. I'm going to skip some verses, but if you want to read some of the verses I'm reading, I'm going to go there first. Job chapter 4, um, in verse 10. It's interesting. I, I've quoted Job a couple times these last few Sundays, and I, probably because I spent a long time reading it. Um, so it's just in me. But chapter 1, the enemy attacks Job. Chapter 2, the enemy attacks Job. Chapter 3, Job is complaining, and he curses the day he's born. And finally, chapter 4 is when his three friends come to counsel him but they give him twisted wisdom, right? And so in Job chapter four is the very first exhortation by one of his friends. And I never caught this. I don't, I've read the story of Job. Like I said, I grew up in the church. I've studied, I've read this, I don't know how many times, but it was different this last couple months when I was reading it. And it says this in Job chapter four, verse 10. It says, the roaring of the lion, the voice and the teeth are all broken. The old lion perishes and the cubs scattered. I'm reading a different translation maybe you have, and I'm, I'm not reading everything. But it talks about this. The roaring of the lion was broken. The teeth broken. I remember when I had read that, I was, I was like, oh, the enemy. The enemy's teeth are broken, right? We, he's a toothless lion roaring, trying to seek him we may devour. But as I was reading this, I read the next few verses. And it says this in verse 12. This truth was given to me in secret, as though whispered in my ear. It came to me in a disturbing vision at night when people are in a deep sleep. Fear gripped me and my bones trembled. A spirit swept past my face and my hair stood on end. Do you think this might be demonic rather than the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I've had God dreams where I wake up and I'm like, whoa, and, and I am somewhat trembling under the fear of God. But I'm being honest with you, I've had dreams where I woke up in the middle of the night, I'm like, that was not God, that was fear-ridden. I just had all kinds of fear and anxiety, my heart was pounding, I'm like, what's going on? And I was like, someone in my dream, someone was trying to kill me, I'm like, okay, that was not God, that was a demonic dream. And this counsel, the very beginning of Job's wise friends giving him counsel, he actually says, yeah, actually I got this truth in a vision at night when I was, my hair was standing on end and I was trembling and something was slithering and whispering in my ear that the roar of the lion has been broken, that the teeth of the lion have been broken, and the old lion, he's done with, he can't do anything. The young lions, they're scattered, they have no power. It was the enemy speaking to Job off the get-go. Don't you dare roar, Job. After the enemy just came against you and roared and devoured, came to steal, kill, and destroy everything that you had, Job, you have no voice. Job, don't even try to roar back. I wonder how many of us have had things stolen from us by the enemy and we never roared back. 
I just think about that, that slithering. What if Adam and Eve, I go back to the very first sin, what if that serpent of old came and spoke to Adam and Eve and Adam added like a man, like a man, and roared back the devil? Get the, your hell out of here. Being careful how I say that. Serpent, you come from hell? Get your hell out of here. You don't belong in my garden. You're twisting scripture. Didn't the Lord say, right? It's twisted. That's what the enemy does. And he comes to steal. He says, you should eat from this tree. You'll be like God, right? He came really to steal the authority of man. I just wonder how many things have been stolen from us when the enemy comes and if we just learn how to roar back. No, that's not yours. No, that's a lie. No, this is who I am. No, God is good. That last song we sang, it was right after the generals came up front and they just began to declare, you are good. You are good. I wonder if we roared that more often. When something, was, when something bad happened in our life and we said, God, you're good. You're good at all times. Right now, you are good. And we roared that right back. Oh, man. There's power in that roaring. Thinking about roar, I mean, you can Google roar. Tons of things came up. I don't have time to go over all of them, but I just want to hit a couple. That was in Job. The next one we should be very familiar with, Acts 2.2. Suddenly a sound like the roar of a mighty windstorm came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. You had the disciples. You had these people that just had their Savior crucified, right? They were trembling with fear. Every time Jesus kept appearing after Easter, he kept saying, fear not, fear not, because they still were crippled with fear. And he says, wait, don't do anything. You're going to go try and tell the good news of who I am, but without a roar and a holy boldness, it's not going to go across, it's not going to come across great. Wait till you're endued with power from on high. Wait till the roar of heaven comes and fills you with a roar. The sound of a mighty roar came on the day of Pentecost. And it transformed Peter, who ran in fear, denied Jesus, filled with a holy roar, stood up and preached a sermon, and 3,000 people came to, know the Lord, came to know the Lord. Something about a holy roar had to happen inside of Peter. I'm saying something about a holy roar needs to start stirring up inside of us. Revelation 1.15, talking again about Jesus. This is John, the beloved, the disciple who knew Jesus, was like, he kept saying, I was Jesus' best friend. That's what he kept saying. I was best, I'm God's favorite, right? That's what I say all the time. John, I got it from John. John always says it throughout the gospel, John, the beloved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? Knew Jesus better than anybody. But when he has a vision, right, the revelation, the book, the, the book of Revelation, and he sees Jesus in Re Revelation 1, says in verse 15, talking about Jesus, his feet were polished with bronze, refined like a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. When Jesus was speaking, it was different than when Jesus quietly whispered to John. This time it was a roar. And John is like, oh my goodness, Jesus, it has a still small voice, but Jesus also has a roar. You and I, like 
General George Washington, we need to learn how to get on our knees and have a holy, quiet conversation with God. And then we need to how to get up from that holy, quiet conversation and roar. I love that. It says in Revelation chapter 1 that Jesus' voice is like a roar. And then you go to Revelation 19 towards the end, and it says this. John says this. Then I heard what sounded like the voice of a vast throng, like the roar of many waters. They were shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the all-powerful reigns. The saints were roaring in heaven. It wasn't just Jesus. It was humans. You and I have been given a voice to roar. We were created in Christ's image. And there are times and seasons where you are supposed to roar. <laughs> really quick, I'll interrupt. I, this is nowhere in my notes, but praying this morning, this story came to my mind. Um, when I was youth pastor, I think it was my first year being a youth pastor. It might have been the first youth camp we went to. Because um, I just remember it was super awkward. And, um, and we were up in Big Bear. And with just, it was just our youth group. And, um, and after worship, it was kind of time of ministry. And I went to go pray for one of the youth. And I could feel it. I was like, uh-oh. I put my hand on the youth and I was praying. And I felt this holy roar starting up, stirring up inside. And so I knew I was still new to being a youth pastor. I was new. It was first camp, like all this thing. So I, I quickly said, all right, hold on, guys. I gathered everyone's attention. Stop singing a song. I'm like, um, I'm about to do something that's pretty strange. And it's going to feel weird to me. I, in fact, in my own flesh, I don't want to do it. But in my spirit, I know I'm about to do something that's going to be kind of weird. I said, I'm going to pray in tongues out loud, but it's not going to be my own personal prayer language. It's not something that's a prophetic word that's supposed to be interpreted. It's I'm doing battle. I'm praying over this youth and I'm, I'm kind of going for it. So I'm just going to give you fair warning. I don't even know what's going to do. And so I just gave that fair warning. Everyone's like, okay. And it was for the first time this roar. I mean, I have my own heavenly prayer language. I, I do that quietly with the Lord all the time. Right. But this time, top of my lungs, I just roaring these tongues. And I was figuring it out as I was doing it. It just was coming out. But really quick, I recognized when I was praying that the enemy had a plan for that youth's life and there was already hooks in that youth and I could see they were already being drawn away and there was this shepherding pastor care that I was like, no, this one belongs to me. Like, you know how the shepherd, that the rod and staff comforts me? Is that because the rod and staff wails, wails on the sheep? No, it wails on the wolf and the bear and the lion. And it was that shepherding that just, no, this youth belongs to me, not to you, enemy. And I just roared, right? And, and there was a lot of, ooh, wide eyes, right? And for me, too, I was like, wow, that was weird. But I knew in the core of my being, that was God. That was not me. I didn't want to do it. My flesh didn't want to do it. But I knew it was the spirit of God in me that it was time to roar. Man. So let me share with you something you can Google about the lion's roar. In the natural, a lion roars, right? So the lion's roar is a terrifying sound. It can be heard up to five miles away. According to lionalert.org, right? Just give me some information. Lions roar to tell other lions where they are. They roar to show how big they are. They, war, they roar to warn lions from other prides to keep away from their home territory. 
So let me tell you what I think. Five reasons to roar based off of a real lion, why they roar according to, I don't know, what do you call it? Not zoologists. What do you call people that study animals? I don't know. One of those. Yeah, that one. Um, I'm getting this. Five reasons to roar. Five reasons for you to roar. Number one, if you're taking notes, I don't got slides, so you got to write this down. The lion's roar proclaims his size. The lion's roar proclaims his size. When you roar, you're saying, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm not afraid of you. That's what a roar is. You keep coming against me. David was the only one that roared on a battlefield. All these mighty men, they were afraid of Goliath. And this little boy says, what? I'm not afraid of you. I'm not, you come against me with whatever you want to come against me with. I got God on my side. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Right? It's this holy roar that I'm going to roar my size. Next one. The lion's roar proclaims his proximity. It says, this is where I am. I'm letting you, let it be known I'm here. I belong here. Like I said, those young kids going into Narnia, there was something that shifted. When they got onto that territory, it was like, whoa, something changed. When a lion roars, comes into maybe your camp, and a lion roars, like, oh, the lion is saying this belongs to him. Oh, boy, okay. It's a warning. There's something about, you read the, the verse, right? The enemy is like a lion, roaring, seeking whom he may devour. The enemy likes to roar. He likes to bring fear into our lives. But at some point, we have to roar back and say, no, actually, you think this earth belongs to you? No, Jesus came and took the keys to the kingdom. Like I said, Adam and Eve in the garden. If Adam would have said, no, this is my garden. God gave it to me to tend. You don't belong here. Proximity, right? You're too close to me. That's like five miles away. You can hear a roar five miles. When you hear a roar, it's saying, you're too close. Back up. This is mine, right? Third one. The lion's roar proclaims his ownership. This is mine. You better let go and you better leave. This is mine. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, right? When the enemy comes to steal, you say, no, this is mine. It's not yours. There's something about that. I, I know people can get weird, and I already prayed, so I'm not too afraid about it. People can get weird with things, but I even say my own health. Sometimes when I get sick, I have to roar to the enemy. No, my health is mine. This body, I know it's not permanent. I know I get a new body, but for right now, it's my body. It's not yours, enemy. And I have to roar back to him. My finances. No, God gave me this money. It's not for yours to steal. Get out of here. Right? It's a roar. The lion's roar, number four, proclaims his power. Hmm. I received power and the Holy Spirit came upon me. I quoted earlier, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives and dwells in me. A lion roars to show its strength and power. Sometimes we have to roar. I, like I said, I wonder what Daniel, it's possible that it was that cute nursery 
painting of Daniel in the lion's den where he just quietly in a corner was praying to God. It's possible. It's also possible that Daniel walked around in that lion's den with authority. This is my lion's den. This is mine. Yeah, no, you go hide in the corner. I'm not hiding in the corner. Right? There's power. At some point, we've got to fight. You've got to see yourself. I can be a Christian and a soldier too. That was four. Number five, the lion's roar proclaims his victory. Oh, man. Jesus on the cross saying it is finished. That was a roar. I don't know. It's not recorded exactly how he said it, whether it was a whisper or a roar, but I believe it was a roar. He had said all those things on the cross as we're getting up to close to the Holy Week, but that final thing he said with every strength he had, it is finished, right? And it says that's when he gave up his last breath and there was an earthquake. There was a roar in the heavenlies. At some point, we are called to live the same way. No, this is over with. Enough is enough, right? Jesus' victory is my victory. Anytime the enemy comes, I can say, no, 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 no. I'm already victorious. I'm not trying to fight for a victory. I'm standing in a place of victory. And I'm roaring from this place of victory. I'm roaring to let you know I'm already victorious. I'm more than a conqueror. Hmm. We're all leaving here roars today. Prepared for battle. But some of us need to know how to be sores. And I got to do this super quick. Soaring. Psalm 27, 6 says, And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Right? He is the glory and the lifter of our heads. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and let the king of glory come in. There's something about your head being lifted up above your enemies. Sometimes it's not just this roar and telling the devil back. It's just saying, I'm not going to keep circling around my problems and my mind fixed on my problems. I'm going to get my head out of the problems and into the promises of God. I'm not going to be problem-oriented. I'm going to be promise-oriented. Thinking about birds, right? Eagles soar. Ostriches, I know it's not a real truth, but it's been around for thousands of years, so it just sticks. Ostriches, what do they do when there's something scary happens? They stick their head in the ground. It's actually not very true. But... It's what we say. I don't want to be an ostrich. Not just sticking my head in the ground. An ostrich can't fly. An ostrich is actually very fast. Can run around busy doing all kinds of things in the dirt. Running around in the dirt, being very busy, and then when something scary happens, I'll put my head in the dirt. (laughs) I don't want to be an ostrich. I don't want to be exhausted from running around, and when I'm exhausted, just put my head in the sand. I want to learn how to soar. I want to mount up with with wings like eagles. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There's something about soaring that increases your strength. Look up into the hills. Where does your help come from? There's something about lifting up your head, lifting up your eyes, getting into a higher plane. Not having your head in the dirt. Get your head in the clouds. We say that negatively, head in the clouds. I'm saying that positively. All right, Psalm 55, 6. I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. 
Soaring actually brings rest. Rest is actually a weapon. Rest is actually something God does. Seventh day, God rested. You were created to rest. At some point, it's time to roar. At some point, it's time to rest. Take off all this battle and warring equipment and just spend time with God. Get alone in his presence and it's just me and you, God. Oh, that's where my strength is renewed. I can't roar if I haven't first soared. I don't have the strength to roar unless I know how to soar. Hmm. Ah. All right. Hmm. Eagles, I'll do this one last one. Again, this, this is more true than the ostriches sticking their head in the ground. This actually does happen, but it's not the most common. Eagles, you've probably heard this before if you grew up in the church. Eagles eat snakes for breakfast, right? What a great analogy. Eagles eat snakes. But it's true that an eagle will swoop down and grab a snake and take it up to higher heights. Because up in the sky, the snake has no balance. The snake is out of its territory. The snake doesn't know what to do. The snake rhythm wriggles around but doesn't know which way is up or down or left or right. And actually, it's cold-blooded, and it can't create heat. Right? Everyone heard that before? There's a snake line in the mountains. At some point, snakes don't go any higher. So eagles take the snakes higher where they can't live. Some of us don't need to have to roar. We just need to go spend time with God and soar. And the enemy that has latched onto us, he's like, oh, forget it. I can't go there. He loathes worship. He loathes the presence of God. The enemy hates those things. So our battles, I'm talking about winning battles. Sometimes we just got to go soar. It's not getting all this strength to roar back at the enemy. It's just saying, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. You're my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. And in those simple prayers... Ah, oh, the enemy, his roars get silenced. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to land this plane. I'm talking about flying. I said that was my last one. I'll tell one more story. I wasn't alive yet, but I've heard the story multiple times. I have three older sisters. And... I have one sister who's five years older than me and the other one that's six older years older than me. And I, apparently they were out in the front yard before, I don't know if I was born or if I was a baby, and they were playing with water in the garden hose. And my youngest sister, well, she's older than me, but well, the youngest one, um, did something to the older sister. So the older sister went and got the hose. And the older sister started following her around the front yard until... The younger sister got cornered against the street where she knew she couldn't go in the street because mom and dad were watching, and that's against the, the rules, right? Get big spanks to go in the street. So at five years old, I'm making, I don't know if it's for sure the right ages, but I'm using these. Five years old, this girl is on the front lawn getting backed up into a corner, and like, I don't know what else to do, and finally this is her response. <laughs> and the older sister dropped the hose and ran away, Right? At some point, I feel like there's got to be some of us in this room. 
We feel like the enemy is approaching upon us and we're like, oh, oh, what do I do? I don't know, ah, oh, and you're getting stuck. Uh, at some point, roar! We just roar back and it, as soon as he hears the lion of Judah inside of you, he's like, ah, oh, I'm a dead man. Forget it. There's, there's no battle there. Jesus against the devil is nowhere close to the same playing field. And I'm trying to figure out because I, I still don't know. I knew we're supposed to do something to close this service, so I'm praying that God gives something to Pastor Nick, Pastor Jake, Nick, Daniel, somebody. We're supposed to end this service doing something. Last Wednesday night, we roared. We put on a song, we roared. I'm good, I'm game to do that again. But I feel like there's some of you in this room, I know this, it's in my heart. There's some of you in this room that to force you to roar, honestly, you don't have the strength to roar. You just have to soar. And I feel like this is a place and a time where we've got to learn how to do both, even maybe at the same time. But that doesn't make sense. How do you do that? I don't know. We're about to figure it out right now together. But I feel like we have to learn how to soar. Some of you, if you're being honest, that's where you're at today. So if I could have the worship team come on up, and I'm sorry, I'm not giving you much direction about what song to sing or all those things, but maybe as we're getting ready, we'll figure it out. But I do feel like those that need to soar, yeah, a novel idea, let's pray. <laughs> Would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying right now? I sense that you're in the room. Since worship, you've been inhabiting the praises of your people. You've been stirring a roar. And I just, God, I pray that what you're saying today, we would be doers of your word. We would demonstrate the words of truth. We would be men and women of action. The theme and vision for this year is to prepare your hearts and minds for action. So God, I don't want to leave here today without acting upon your word. So if that means I look silly, if that means I have to do something I don't feel like doing, God, I will follow you. I will do whatever you say. But I want it to be you, God. I don't want to, to force. I don't want to contrive. I don't want to just do things out of emotions. God, I want to be led by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, we look to you. Guide us into all truth. Remind us of the things that you've been saying all service long, but maybe all season long. God, I feel like these last two years during COVID, I've been learning how to soar. I haven't arrived yet, but at some point you're saying, I've soared enough, it's time to roar. I wanna learn how to roar. Not just one time, but every day of my life, a holy rumbling that's just on the inside. In my soul, there's a rumbling of a roar. And anytime the enemy rears his head up, I'm just gonna roar. It's ready and available at the drop of a hat. So God, may I practice my roaring. May there be more roars from your people. So teach us. Jesus, you are the good teacher. Teach us today how to soar and roar in Jesus' name. Amen.
Just as we were closing in worship, here's what I want to do. It, I saw people kneeling and people on the ground and people standing. So those of you, um, we have a bold youth group that came up front without looking over their shoulder. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yeah. So if anybody in here is in, a, in that point where they just need to rest in God's presence, just it, it's easier. Could you come up front and just get down on the floor, whether you're sitting or kneeling or whatever. And those of you that feel like you're in a place where you want to be that person to roar, let's do that in support of those who are needing a time to to rest. We're going to break off whatever's holding it back. So I'm going to ask you, not individually, as a church, Osborne Neighborhood Church, anyone here who feels that they have that they need to rest, come on up here and we're going to pray for you. And those of you that feel like you want to soar around the room and start praying and declaring these truths, why don't you come up here too? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, if you want to come up and sit on the pew in front, if physically you can't get up and down on the ground, Come sit up on a pew or we'll get you chairs. But don't let that be the reason you don't come up here and get healed or blessed. So keep coming.